0: safe standing for a minute. We've got 10 people here to be baptized today. We just want to pray for them. It's a fantastic day. So why, do, yeah, why don't you encourage them just with a bit of a cheer? <laughs> fantastic. And it's always such an exciting time to when we baptize people here in the church. We do it every single month here at the 2.30 service. And it's amongst the most celebratory services when we see people take those steps of discipleship. And we're really excited for you guys. So why don't you just stretch your hands forward to all of the Guys and ladies here on the front row, and just begin to pray for them. Pray for that God would encounter them in this day, Lord, that they would meet with God in a life changing way. Father, we lift up to you every single one of these baptism candidates today. Lord, we thank you that they've made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism, that they are today going to be united with Christ in his death and united within in his resurrection, that they would come out of those waters new creations. Lord Jesus, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that today would be the first day of the rest of their lives as they learn through the renewing of their mind to walk free from the control of sin, to begin to walk in a way which brings honor and glory to you, Jesus, in a way which releases them to the fullness of what you've prepared for them. We thank you for providing for them blessing, abundance, goodness, riches, jobs, relationships, friendships that will keep them in the path walking for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise offering. Fantastic. And thank you so much to the band. You may take your seats. Um, it's great to be here with you today. We are starting a new series. In the uh, Revival Times, you'll find more information here just on the inside cover where we have the advert for our series titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? And um, we've tried to condense something Probably, like I was thinking about this, we could probably preach for 30 weeks straight on this on this topic, and you guys would still be coming back for more and for more and for more. So we've tried to condense as much as possible into five messages. If it happens that we need to carry on, well, maybe we need to carry on. Otherwise, we might have to put on a singles conference or something like that for you. Um, so do look forward to that. And so understand that I'm going to have to break these messages up into different sections. So if there's things that I don't cover this week, then I might be covering them next week uh, or the week after. So um, if I don't cover them, make sure you drop us a message. You see here on the design, uh, the, you've got the KT page on Facebook. You can message us there and say, listen, I have this question, I have that question, you haven't covered it yet, and we will try to cover it during the session. Now just to explain, today, because we are baptizing people at the end of the service, we are sticking to a normal format. We'll have a message, and then we'll have the baptisms at the end. But for the next four messages, what we're going to try to do is to limit the message to about 25 to 30 minutes and have 15 minutes for questions and answers. So we're going to have different people come in to answer some of your questions. And for those of you who might be too embarrassed to, to ask a question from the floor, well, we're going to give you the option to text a question, which will then appear on the screen, and then you will be able to uh, ask the question that way. Okay? So that's just to let you know a bit about what is going on. Let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll start with the message. Father, thank you for every person here, Lord, they're seeking your purpose and your destiny for their lives. Lord, they're wondering how to enter into a, a meaningful relationship and how to build meaningful relationships, not just... The one relationship, but also through their friendships, etc., Father. And Lord, we ask that you would just bring wisdom, you bring revelation, you bring understanding. And Lord Jesus, let there be a moment where we meet with you today and understand how to move forward in a way which brings glory and honor to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Now, I know that I'm talking to a very different crowd here today. We are asking the question, is it possible to find love and lifelong relationship in the 21st century? And I know in this congregation there is bound to be a lot of jaded people. We're used to broken relationship in everyday life, let alone in marriage. All of us know what it's like to have part-time friends, the friends that want to be your BFF when there's something for them to gossip about. But as soon as the gossip has been spread and there's no more interesting news, suddenly they disappear. Or the people that really you thought that you could trust with your life and you found that they've gone and shared your secrets with somebody else. Everywhere that you look, we are acquainted with this idea of broken relationships. And really, very much a center of the gospel is this idea of how do we learn to love one another as we love God? And that involves us building meaningful relationships. But then if we begin to look at this more specific area of of, uh, relationships... We see marriages which end in divorce. We see betrayal. We see a lack of intimacy um, for those potentially who've been married for a long season of time and and just lost a spark for each other. Maybe you have dodgy arrangements within your relationships. You know, the, the relationships on the side, the people you go for coffee dates with, the people that you flirt with when you come to church, when your partner doesn't come with you. Of course that never happens in church, does it? There are so many highly visible marriage failures, including in the church. And at times, the church has made a mockery of the institute of marriage as much so as those that are outside, with divorce rates equivalent to those that are in the world. And so the idea of marriage becomes a topic of much discussion, and even brings about a scope for redefinition, as we're seeing today, with the discussion on whether um, gay marriage should be made legal or not. And so there is a conversation going on in the public realm. And I wonder today, do you believe that it's possible to find life, uh, love and lifelong relationship? Do you believe that it's possible? Now, I'm absolutely convinced that there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be errors, but I'm convinced that out of the supposed ashes of the Institute of Marriage will rise a covenant people. That's a people who are sons and daughters of God that all of creation is eagerly awaiting to see a covenant people who walk in a revelation of who the father is and his love for them. They've learned to walk in the freedom of genuine relationship with God and with their brothers and sisters. And they've now made a decision to enter a covenant with one other to demonstrate God's love. I genuinely believe that God is interested in that happening because after all, he's raising up a bride for his son, the church. And an integral part of the church being whole, spotless, pure, is having whole, healthy marriages which reveal and fulfill the purposes of God in marriage for joy, intimacy, and procreation. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, you know, it's all good for you to say that, but my marriage is on the rocks, we want to strongly encourage you in the direction of our marriage enrichment course, which is just happening a matter of 10 days away. Start taking some steps to bring life back into your relationship. And I want to challenge you to start to open your eyes, to start to recognize the vital friends and leaders that God has placed around you who are demonstrating what true relationship is to you, and to encourage them and draw from those who are already married or are in relationships which are leading towards marriage. Because when we recognize the marriages which are going strong, we can begin to draw from their example. There are people living fulfilling marriages all over the place. And they sit quietly in your services. They're sitting side by side with you today. You might never know. But take a moment. Stop someone who's married and say, Hey, you guys married can you just give me some wisdom? I just need a know. I just need some... I'm going through a bit of a difficult situation. Have you ever experienced this? How can I... As you start to draw on the relationships that exist, you'll begin to see that God has placed a richness here in Kensington Temple. And we've got a great example in our senior ministers, Colin and Amanda Dye. If you haven't read their book, Staying Pure, it's a great book. It really speaks strongly into this area and the idea of, of how to build long-lasting covenant relationships. I've used it in some of the preparation for this series. So in this message, why wait? Now, waiting is like a swear word to us. Because. Yes. Awesome. I was hoping for it to be blasting to shock you, but anyway, you get the point. And so with this message specifically, really, I'm talking to the singles. Um, So for those of you who are already in covenant relationships, you can nod along sagely and wisely until I say something that feels like I've put a pin on your seat. Amen. I want to ask you, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? The first thing that I want to begin to drive home for you is to understand the value of what God is wanting to give you. If you count relationship cheaply, if you don't value relationship, and we can easily say, yes, I do value relationship, but look at the way you, you conduct relationships. Look at the way you conduct your friendships. Do you genuinely value friendships? Are you someone that when you fall out with a friend, you don't speak to them for weeks, months, years? You've got family members who you don't communicate with anymore. Are you somebody that values relationship? Because God wants you to know what he's holding and preparing for you. The one that he's preparing for you and the one that he's preparing you for. And there is a season that both of you will need to go through as individuals and then when you come together. The season that you walk through as individuals is learning to walk in freedom, knowing who you are in Christ, taking responsibility for yourself. And then when you are both ready, coming together and starting to grow together into your destiny. And just here in the center of this understanding is growing together. It indicates imperfection. Some of the richest moments of intimacy are discovered when you find out how imperfect somebody is. See, we're not waiting for perfection. We are waiting for the right person. And in this one, you'll find someone who you're attracted to on most levels. That you grow in knowledge of each other. That you walk in safety together, lean on each other, look up to each other, enjoy life together, whatever it might throw at you. That you enjoy each other spiritually, emotionally, and physically when the time is right. And it's essential to do that that you both know Jesus. You know, I hear so many times in my conversations with people you know what? He is just Mr. Right. He ticks all of the boxes. The only problem is he's not a Christian. Have have you ever said that before? Oh, okay, the men, maybe the men will be a bit more honest. Men, have you ever said that she ticks all the right boxes, but she's just not a Christian? Thank you, sir. That's a bold man over there. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you probably get accused by that person. You know what? What's wrong with me? No, just because I don't have the same faith as you. Is it just because I don't know Jesus like you do that you're just going to cast me aside and you'll get accused of being bigoted? But the issue is you simply cannot afford, you cannot afford to get into a relationship with someone that does not have the same worldview as you. The cost to your life as you go on will cause you to untick all of those boxes as you go one by one. And maybe there were temporary things that fade with time. Maybe there were looks. Maybe there were money. Maybe there were a house that they lost in in a financial crash. But maybe also other aspects that you used to find attractive. Become less attractive as you grate and grind against somebody who does not have the same values as you do. Equally strongly, I recommend that you don't go ahead with the person that ticks the Christian box but doesn't tick any other box. You need to find out whether that person ticks the other boxes. You know, the truth is, you don't have to wait. You can go ahead and do what you want to do, which most people tend to do. But you will reap a harvest. You know, I know um, a couple uh, where the the man used to say to me, you know, um, she's just such an angel, I, I, I don't want to sully that. But the problem is we can't keep our hands off each other. So uh, we're just going to go run ahead and get married. And you know what they're really trying to do is force God to tell them that this is the one by getting married. See, once you've got married, see, that they're the one because we got married. They've kind of forced the issue. And you know what I say to that person? Please, brother, I beg you, please go and have an argument with your girlfriend right now. Go and fall out with her right now. No, 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 but she's so sweet. She's like an angel the sun shines off of her face <laughs> we could never ever have an argument guaranteed you're going to have an argument absolutely guaranteed you just wait till you either get have an argument before or after you get married but the problem is once you have an argument after you've got married it's too late to trade it in you come back to me saying she's the devil And it's unfortunate because when you end up in a marriage, we want to strongly help you and encourage you and teach you and train you so that you can become the husband and wife that you're called to be. But it had been a lot easier if you'd done that work beforehand and been wise about the steps that you were taking to building your relationship. Now, you might ask me, do I believe in the one? Now, that depends which side of the ring you're on. Depends which side of the ring you're on. Because searching for the one can become a curse. I'll tell you why. Because we think, if I only have one go at this, I better make sure that they are absolutely perfect in every single way so that I can know that I didn't make a mistake when things fall apart a little bit. And we can be so much in search of perfection that we end up passing over the one who is right in front of us. See, God brings together imperfect people to build relationship. And you have to make a choice out of your freedom to enter into that relationship. That's an exciting part of the way God has made life. But I made this comment, it depends which side of the ring you're on, because once you're on the other side, once you've made that commitment, you are entertaining deception and destruction if you go about wondering, is this the one? If they have a ring on their finger that you've given them, they are the one, if you've done it right. So I want to ask you, what kind of a waiter are you? What kind of person in waiting are you? I believe that it's God that has you in a place of waiting um, on the most part, not man. So I want to just illustrate a few waiters for you. Maybe you are the five-minute waiter. You're here, you're in a relationship. relationship goes bad. So you start running. Another relationship over here. Get straight into another one within a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Rebounds. How many of you do rebounds? Okay, good. And this relationship goes badly and now you run over to the other side and get into another relationship. But then you become a Christian. And somewhere in the middle is a pastor who's trying to have a conversation with you. Yes, pastor, thank you. Thanks for the advice. Thank you. Okay, now I'm in another okay pastor pastor that didn't go so right that time can you tell me what I did wrong did I sleep with them too early okay <laughs> and then we get into this whole cycle of being people who do not wait and don't stop to take stock of the situation that we find ourselves in you know what I admire your tenacity that you keep going for it but you're going for it the wrong way before you burn yourself out and wreck the hope of the relationship that you're seeking for Hold your horses for a moment and have a think about what I'm going to say to you today. Maybe you are the passive waiter. You are sitting back, waiting for someone to come and get you. Um, There is a class of passive waiters who really don't want relationship. They pretend they do. But they characterize by idolizing celebrity figures, spending a lot of time dreaming, setting up fan pages on Facebook, wasting their life on dreams that are really fantasies. Take a step into the real world, please, because we want to see you flourish in relationships. We want to see you get into a relationship that God's preparing for you. Now, this is a small group, so don't panic. The permanent waiter. What if God has called you to a full life of singleness? If any of you panic when you hear that, ask yourself, why do you panic? (laughs) Probably because you have a desire for relationship, a desire to meet someone and spend the rest of your life with them. If that is you and God has not told you specifically that you are to be single for the whole of your life, then you are in a waiting place known as the temporary gift of singleness. But there are those people who are called to permanent waiting. We know Ruth Ann, who's a minister in the church, speaks very strongly on this. She's remained single the whole of her life, or never got married, I should say. She had a relationship which God called her out of, and then she's remained single for the whole of her life. So she'll often preach on this. Now there's these two groups. This is the majority of the people that I'm going to be speaking to now. There is the disempowered waiter, and there is the intentional waiter, person in waiting. If you were disempowered, some of you would probably feel that God is being particularly unfair to you, that you're ready, but for some reason, God is holding up on you. It might be that you've sat under messages like this before and and found out that there's yet more things that you need to sort out about your life, and, and therefore lost hope of all relationship. And you spend time sitting in church and wondering why no one ever asks you out. Now, I know what that's like. Not waiting for someone to ask me out, because I did the asking. But I spent eight years waiting before I met my current girlfriend, who is going to be the one. But I can't... Oh, you guys. Thank you. Now, I can't tell you, though, in those long eight years, how many times I heard, there's no men in church. And you know what I thought? There's no women in church. You reacted to that surprisingly well. I thought you'd get offended. But it is quite offensive, isn't it? When we start to throw around comments, there's no men in church, there's no women in church. Look around. If there's no men or women in church, then who are we? If you have that attitude, maybe you need to think about it and adjust it. Because I know God is big enough to have somebody for you. Think about my situation. How would I find someone that would be able to take on a full-time minister and, and help me in this situation? But I found someone that God had for me. Whatever God has for you in your situation, he has prepared someone for you who will ideally match with you and walk with you. And that leads me on to this intentional waiter. The people who are enjoying the temporary gift of singleness. And I want to challenge you, enjoy it while it lasts. Because it's not going to be forever. Enjoy what God has given you. It's a gift of his grace. And in this time, God intends for you to do certain things. To lean into him. To ask him to prepare and shape you. To enjoy him in the time that you are in right now until the right time comes. There's always new things for you to learn in the presence of God. There's always things for you to develop and grow in, and these are some of the areas that we want to cover today in this message. The three major areas I want to cover with you is learning to possess your vessel. Number two is learning to address the love deficit the right way. And number three, being willing to wait on God's timing. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 through 8, it says this, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. There's a reason that I've focused on this passage, and for some of you who are still stuck in the worldly way of thinking, it might be easy for you to read this passage in a lazy manner and hear, "Abstain from sexual immorality," and think. There goes a stuffy church again, and their views ab- abstain from sex. They're just boring. They don't believe in sex. I thought sex was supposed to be a good thing. And that is the truth. God created sex for the enjoyment of humanity at a level much deeper than just physical, in an emotional, intellectual, spiritual, relationally secure place of marriage. Ah, Gabriel, you know what, that's just so 20th century, or maybe even 19th century, why don't you bring it up to date, that's 2,000 year old, that book, what are you talking about? But let me ask you a question, ladies, how secure do you feel in an open relationship? Not very secure. Men, how committed do you feel in an open relationship? Uh, but, but Gabriel, I'm serious. If you're so serious, why don't you make it really serious? You know, I'm I'm doing the mature thing, you know, I'm I'm trying out, you know, we don't want to make a mistake, so what we're going to do, we're going to be really wise, and we're going to move in together, and we're going to trial run marriage so that we don't get it wrong and make a mistake. But we end up in this halfway house of cohabitation, which more often than not ends in separation and the same brokenness that divorce brings. Unhappy, broken. Did you feel good coming out of that situation? Probably not. There is an alternative. It's God's way done properly. On the surface, God desires that we abstain from sexual immorality because on the face level, to engage in sex with someone who's not our wife or husband is to rip off our brother or our sister meaning simply that to engage in a physical action with somebody now who's not your life partner is to steal from that person's future partner or even the current person that they're married to. And it's easy to see in this case why a person's history could easily have a direct impact on the intimacy experience in that couple. But what does this mean for those of us who today are not promiscuous people? We don't go around sleeping with people's wives or sleeping with people on a random basis, but we do have um, attractions towards other people. I want to take this passage and begin to unpack it in a slightly deeper way than is presented at face value. God is saying more than just don't have sex or unmarried, un, uh, premarital or extramarital sex as a rule. We'll come back a bit more to this next week. But he's calling us to think about something else. Get beyond the obsession that you have with this idea of sex and think about re- what relationship really is because there's something more profound here. In verse 4 and 5 it says that you should... Know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Knowing God will introduce you to two important aspects of the kingdom of God which can come to work in your life. The first is your identity. The sanctification and honor that God is speaking about is a call for you to walk in your true identity. In the kingdom of God, you are a new creation. Your sin has been forgiven by Jesus Christ upon the cross. You have been united with him in his death and in his resurrection through your water baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit to live out the new creation life that he's prepared for you. But that living out is a process known as sanctification, where we step fully into identity. Let me put it a different way. You, free from sin, is who you really are called to be. And the way that you get there is through your sanctification. So that you know who you are. So when the world comes to tell you who you are, you know, actually, I'm not who you think I am. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a son and daughter of the Most High God, actually. It's calling us to renew our minds in line with the Word of God so that when... Perhaps a superstar comes walking past. I was just in Westfield, uh, Stratford yesterday and saw Matthew Pinson and my mom got all excited. She's like, oh, that's an Olympic gold medalist. Oh, and he's such a giant. You know, but sometimes we see people as celebrity and we try to get close to them in order to get a sense of importance and a sense of identity. Instead of remembering that we are in touch with the creator of the heavens and earth, the biggest mac of them all, the one who created you and gave you your name. You need to know who you are so that when things get murky in a relationship, maybe you are entering into a lot of arguments and suddenly people are bringing out things in the heat of the moment. You know what? You're selfish. You're ugly. I never was attracted to you anyway. You're worthless unless you do what I want you to do. If you don't know who you are in that situation, then you will end up falling foul of whatever that person is trying to put on you in that moment of anger. Identity is central. And part of this identity is learning how to walk in freedom. Learning how to possess your vessel. Not walking in lust, but walking in freedom. See, God desires that we should be free from sin that we should recognize when sin is coming our way, when temptation is coming our way, and instead of falling foul of that and submitting, continuing to walk in freedom through managing ourselves and taking good decisions. We need to take responsibility for who we are in Christ. You are responsible for you. Yeah, yeah, but, but Gabriel, they, they, they told me they love me. Gabriel you know, I was fine, we were just in a club, I was just going to have two drinks, but then they got me drunk. You know, I thought we were just going upstairs for coffee. <laughs> we said we were, we were just going to be friends, but, you know, we were spending so much time together, it just got out of hand, and I don't even know how to say no. Whose fault? Their fault, their fault. Their fault, their fault, their fault. You are responsible for you. They're not responsible for you. Are you going to blame them when you fall into sin? Yet we do this all of the time. We need to learn how to take an understanding of who we are and walk according to who we are. You're responsible for you in more ways than just your sexuality and the way that you start to grow in your responsibility is learning how to say yes and learning how to say no and yes meaning yes and no meaning no and if you say yes meaning no then don't come crying if you get yourself into trouble and then moving on from that learn how to be Christ-like in each situation I've heard it said by an excellent minister called Danny Silk self-control I manage me No matter what you are doing or not doing. Freedom from lust is a key thing that's brought here. It's essential that you get free from lust before you get married. Getting married is not going to resolve that issue. In fact, it's going to destabilize your marriage as you have wayward eyes looking around at other people. And it doesn't just apply to the men, ladies. We're going to look at that in a different message or forum. I always have fun with these messages because everyone gets so quiet. They don't know when to laugh and not laugh, and hallelujah. But then the second thing is, the second point that I want to make is this. Addressing the love deficit the right way. First was possessing your vessel in honor and sanctification. The second is addressing the love deficit the right way. I just want somebody who cares for me. That's a legitimate, deep, emotional need for a relationship that God has placed on the inside of you. But if you compromise your values in order to receive that care, you are meeting the love deficit in your life the wrong way. Some people I know end up married because they began an unintentional relationship which filled their need for emotional support and took them to a place where they were like, yeah, okay, it's easier. We live together now. It'd be so much, diffi- so much hassle to split up and separate bank accounts and change our stuff and eh, so we'll just get married. This desire for a relationship can manifest as I just need somebody to tell me I'm sexy. Someone to pay attention to me. Somebody to want my number and call me maybe. Choose, people choose anyone. They end up with Muslims, they end up with Buddhists, they end up with atheists simply to get this need met. But let me tell you something. If you exchange your values to get into a relationship with somebody who doesn't share the same intellectual, spiritual, emotional values that you do, then the goal of intimacy which you have aimed for will just be limited to physical and emotional closeness. If you choose to marry outside of the faith, outside of someone with the same worldview, what you are choosing to do is to eliminate spirituality as part of your relationship. And therefore spiritual intimacy as part of your relationship. Colin preached a great message on this just a few months ago on, uh, when he spoke about the uh, Meshach Shadrach and Abednego the the passing through the fire with Jesus. So go back and follow that up if you need to. <coughs> But in search of addressing this love deficit the right way, I believe that God is calling us to live out the greatest commandment. And that is to become an expert at relationship. Become an expert at doing relationship. I personally believe that you can tell how willing somebody is to receive love from the Lord, not just a sense of his presence, but actually receive love from the Lord by their ability to have relationships with people around them. Because if they are able to receive love and give love to their friends practice intimacy, share life, then I'm, I'm sure and I can tell you that they are able to do the same with God. And I want you to think of it as a privilege that God has placed you here in the church. He's given you brothers and sisters. Now, I know that we segregate um, to men and women for cell group meetings for issues of discipleship, but that doesn't mean that we are always segregated, You're sitting intermingled right now. These people can become your friends. Intergender friendships are essential to your growth in learning how to do relationship. Having guy friends, having girlfriends that you're not emotionally attracted to or dependent on. But the issue is you'll learn because it's going to get messy. You'll learn how to recover from being embarrassed at falling in love with somebody who doesn't like you the same way back. You'll learn why you never would have worked in the first place. You'll learn what you do like in somebody and what you don't like in somebody but most importantly this is essential this is why it's key you will learn how to receive genuine honor and platonic love from a member of the opposite sex so that you know what to expect when your husband and wife shows up you know how you deserve to be treated and it's a really beautiful thing when you begin to recognize this and surround yourself with wise people who uh, love you and know you and desire the best for you because they are able to support you as you take that step. One of the greatest things for me as I was getting into this relationship was two of my best friends came to me about this person before we started dating and said, that's the one for you, that's the one for you. And I knew that my brothers had my back and I knew I was in a secure place. It's great to be in that position where you have people around you who you can trust and will support you. But this is all essential to maturing how you do relationship. So when the real one happens, you've got some skills to really make it last. So when the real one comes along, you know how to identify it, and you know that that's what you want, and you know how to move it forward together. Each mistake I've made in the past has given me wisdom for how to move forward into this situation. But don't live now like you wish you could turn back later. Don't do things now rashly that you wish in a year or two years' time you could take away. Rather, live honorably now and see God's best for you. Number three, waiting on God's time. And this I close. We all know that there's a season for everything, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to be single, and a time to be in relationship. And it's important that we learn to move in pace with the timing of God. Because if we rush ahead outside of the timing of God, we end up in a relationship which is guaranteed to fail. And when it fails, fail it will if it's not in God's time, it'll be painful. But when you get a look back on it, you'll breathe a big sigh of relief. Thank you, Jesus. God bless them. Thank you for saving me. Hallelujah. If you think you know best, if you think you know better than God's timing, it's a surefire sign that your relationship is going to fail. So don't be obstinate. Don't be stubborn. Be open to the input that leaders give you, your cell members give you, your cell leaders give you, because they want the best for you. And sometimes God has something else for you to do. I went through a season last year where I was able to spend day in, day out with the men of the 300 discipling them, encouraging them, strengthening them, praying for them, raising them up, so that this year, as I build my relationship, those guys can look after the new guys that they are called to look after. There was a season that I was going through. I had to give that time to 300, and now I'm giving my time to this other relationship now. But whatever happens, God knows what he's doing, and he's going to bring you into the right place at the right time, because he wants the best for you. But let me ask you the question. Have you learned to possess your honor, uh, vessel in honor and in sanctification? And have you learned how to correctly meet the love deficit that is in your life? Because God wants you to experience his love in a fulfilling, freeing way, which doesn't cost you your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word to us today. Lord, we ask that you'd position us, Father, to begin to grow in possessing our own vessels, that you would show us how to manage ourselves, to take responsibility for ourselves, that we would be prepared for that relationship that you have for us, Lord, and that we would know how to walk in that relationship, Father. Lord, we ask, Lord, that where there's been issues of of sexual immorality and impurity, Father, Lord, you know that many people would have felt a a sense of shame or even guilt, Father, but Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood has taken away all, all shame and all guilt, that you have forgiven us, the sins of the past and you're calling us to sanctification. And so Lord, I ask for those that are under condemnation for their history, Lord, Lord, that you just begin to lift that weight of guilt, Father, and that you'd bring purification, that by the blood of Jesus, you would set them free, that they would know who they are in you and that part of who they are in you is forgiven, loved, accepted, and whole in the kingdom of God. And Lord Jesus as they begin to walk in that revelation. That they would know also how to meet the love deficit in their lives. That they would have people around them who would be strong friends, both guys and girls. So it would be able to build them up, edify them, give them wisdom, give them understanding. And Lord, we ask that your spirit would hover over the mess that happens when that happens, Lord. Lord, when people begin to feel emotions and stuff, Lord Jesus, you just keep things in peace, moving forward with your glory on that situation so that we all might grow into the body of Jesus Christ and raise up those long-lasting marriages that will bring glory to your son Jesus as part of his spotless bride. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Right. We are now in the time of uh, baptisms, and this is always a great time for us to support our brothers and sisters as they get baptized. So what we want to strongly encourage you to do is come forward, all of you uh, people who are here, to just get around the front, cheer them along, wish them well on this day. There's only 10 of them, so it's going to take about seven or eight minutes, so it's a fantastic time for you to just support your friends. So do do that, and if you're here supporting your friends and family as they get baptized, do come forward, take photos, we'd love to have you engaged. If you are not uh, participating in the baptism and joining with us, we do ask you to keep the volume of your conversations down a bit to respect these guys that are getting baptized today. Okay? Thank you very much. Men, first we'd like to invite the guys over to the side. Yes, sir.